This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Subscribe to the Astros podcast. Joined by Justin Verlander getting the ball on opening day. Steve Sparks here, and I'm with Lance McCuller. Tons of interviews. Robert Ford joined by Michael Brantley. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa returning to the lineup today. Highlights. That is line in the right field, and that's going to get down for a base hit. High and deep, and it's gone. A grand slam. Follow your favorite team. Subscribe to the Astros podcast. We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Minute Park. <laughs> For the H. They never said it would be easy. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Back to Astropod, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. And welcome to another edition of the Astros podcast. I'm Robert Ford with Steve Sparks. Normally your Astros radio team, of course, like everyone else, we've been Sitting back, waiting for baseball to resume and hope to get through this uh, pandemic. Steve, how, how have you guys been doing, uh, you and your family, the, the last uh, week or so? You know what, Robert? Not too bad. I mean, you're kind of getting used to this. I mean, this isn't what we want to be doing, of course, but we're kind of getting used to a, a, of a routine now of what this, this normal life is. Uh, so there's a lot of outdoor time, a lot of family time, a lot of dinners at the table. So all the things that a lot of people are talking about that they took for granted in the past that they've gotten together. Uh, life is a little more simple, but uh, you and I, we've talked about it a lot, man. We can't wait for Major League Baseball to return. Hopefully it's sooner sooner than later. Uh, but in the meantime, we get a chance to talk to some of the players and some of the coaches. And uh, you know what? If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And uh, we enjoy talking to especially somebody like Joe Espada, who's been in the game quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. And Joe's going to join us here in just a moment. And, uh, you know, Steve, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, you know, we, we're all getting so much more time to be around our families and, and friends right now and, and to have conversations. And, you know, you and I, we've both been involved in baseball. Me as a broadcaster, you as a player for a long time before getting into broadcasting. And we're not used to having this much free time. And I really think at this time of year anyway. And I really think we're as, as, as difficult as this time has been for a lot of people, I think we're going to look back on, on this month, two months, however long it, it winds up being and, and really remember and treasure some of the, the, the quality time we've gotten to spend with people we love. Yeah. I think it'll be a huge mistake if we don't take advantage of, of some of this downtime. And I think a lot of people will tell you, especially as they age that, it's all about relationships. We understand that. And, and to to be able to nurture those relationships and to spend some real quality time and to to make an impact on other people and and just to, to feel good about seeing what a lot of these Astros players are doing, taking that lead and going out there and trying to do uh, your little part as well is, is to reach out and, uh, and be responsible. At the same time, we've all got a job to do is about uh, being responsible, and uh, hopefully we'll get back to uh, our normal lives once again. But uh, I, I think we'd be making a huge mistake if we didn't take advantage of this time. 
without a doubt. And, and you folks can do your part as well. You can pick up an exclusive Houston Together t-shirt for only $25. Proceeds from your purchase benefit the Astros Foundation's COVID-19 efforts. To get yours today, visit astros.com slash together, and they will ship those t-shirts to you. Again, astros.com slash together, $25 Houston Together t-shirt. Proceeds benefit the Astros Foundation COVID-19 efforts. So definitely go check that out. These t-shirts look great. I mean, it's the Astros colors. It's got the Astros logo on it, Houston together in white and orange. It's a gorgeous t-shirt. So uh, it's helping a great cause. So go out there and get them. Yeah, without a doubt. Definitely pick them up. They look great. Uh, and uh, certainly hope you, you check that out at astros.com slash together. And without further ado, let's uh, bring in Astros uh, bench coach Joe Espada. Well, Joe, it's a, a pleasure to, to talk to you. Thanks for, for joining us. Um, you know, if you could take us back a little bit, because I think there was a period right after uh, March 12th when Major League Baseball announced that spring training was, was going to be put on hold. Uh, there was a period when it seemed like, okay, this might not be too long. Let's kind of hang around the complex and, you know, because there's a chance that, that guys might be able to work out there. What, what were things like for you right when the shutdown got announced and, and, and how long did it take for you to finally, finally head home? You know what? It escalated pretty quickly. Uh, I stayed in Palm Beach for, for another seven days, uh, but we saw that things were not getting any better. So uh, Jim was uh, nice enough to allow us to use his, uh, his private plane. So we flew, I flew my family back with some of, uh, with some of the coaches uh, that were there uh, during that time. But, uh, but after a couple of days when we stopped doing our, our, our work on the field, Things did not look right. Um, you know, the pandemic and uh, there were so many cases out there and it was growing so quickly that uh, I, I kind of got a, I got, got a sense that this was going to it was going to put a stop to our to baseball for a while. What's been the uh, communication like for you uh, in the week since with with Dusty Baker, with the rest of the coaching staff and with um, with with the players, particularly the infielders, since that's primarily who you work with? You know what we have had uh, with the uh, front office and our um, and our coaches that we've had a couple of Zoom meetings, which is which is good to just kind of keep us keep us connected and keep us you know stay in touch. Especially that Dusty was getting to know staff members and trying to you know create that culture among ourselves. Um, with the players, I've been um, sending them videos. Uh, you know, I catch myself watching some of our games from last year. And watching the fellas either making a good play or, or hitting a ball in a gap, or and I find myself rewinding it, recording it, and sending it to that and telling how much I miss it. You know, it's kind of a way that I've kind of figured to stay engaged and stay in touch with them. Uh, also, I've been uh, doing some Zoom meetings with our player development staff. We're trying to put together uh, a manual for our. For our infield, uh, for our infield program down in the minor league, so we I've been staying busy doing a couple of projects and and trying to put myself uh, in a position so when we start getting back to baseball, um, I'll be prepared to what that maybe a short spring training is going to look like. I think that's what a lot of people are wondering, Joe, right now is, is what's the communication like between the players, between the coaches and the players, between the coaches themselves. And you said you're you're sending out those videos, uh, and you say you miss it. But is there also a little bit of teaching 
uh, behind some of those videos you're sending the guys? Absolutely. So yeah. I use those videos, you know, um, either turning a big double play and I put a little, you know, message about the situation and how big it was, um, kind of a mental process of how we executed that play or relay throw, kind of using our games to teach, uh, 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 kind of keep the boys engaged. Also, some drills that um, I've been doing in my garage, like if the guys don't have any access to, I don't know, going to a facility or something like that, they could do some infield drills in, in their house. Um, just trying to stay creative, um, trying to make sure the guys know that uh, I, it's important for us when we get back on the field that we're not starting from from zero. We you know we need to be in in good physical shape, good mental health, just to uh, when we get on the field, we're ready to go. Do you remember when you when you were playing, Joe, uh, trying to have to get ready like this because you had to work in the off seasons and you had to find time to do things a little bit more like this? It's humbling, brother. I hear you. Yeah. Uh -huh. it, you know, this this takes you back to when you were a kid. And what right now it's, you know, the team that prepares the best, whoever wants it more, it's going to get out to a good start. You know, you have to stay uh, focused at home, trying to find ways to improve your, like your work ethic. You know, right now you have to try to find a way to self-improve your, your, yourself without having access to things that we are so, you know, so usually have in front of us. So, uh, it's challenging, but also humbling, and uh, um, it's uh, I, you know it's I miss it, but also it reminds me of those days, Parker, that you're talking about. You go back to your early days of baseball, you know, throwing the ball against the wall and moving your feet and and trying to get better, you know, doing you know doing simple drills. Yeah, Steve mentioned your your time in the minor leagues. You were a second round pick of the A's back in 1996. Made it up to to AAA as a as an infielder. I always find it interesting whenever I talk to guys who spent some time in the minor leagues, especially most players didn't get big enough bonuses so that they could just live off of that in the off season. What were some of the things that you did in those off seasons in the minor leagues as a player? Uh, what sort of jobs did you have? You know what, uh, Robert, I was, I was fortunate enough to have uh, Puerto Rico winter ball uh, at my disposal, you know, being native, being from there, I was, you know, I was on a team. Um, every year. So even if I was not on the active roster, I was able to make some money uh, through, uh, throughout, throughout that three, four month season. So, um, but also I remember uh, doing some, doing some work uh, for, uh, for family, for, for an uncle of mine, you know, he had a construction company. So I remember, you know, in the morning, try to make some, uh, some extra, some extra money I uh, used to go over and, and help him out with some projects just to stay active, just to put some extra cash in my pocket. Because, you know, I, yes, I, I got a pretty good uh, chunk of money when I signed, but I knew that, you know, the importance of saving, you know, finding, you know, finding ways to um, just just stay active just because I just do not, you know, I just don't like staying at home and sitting on the couch or not doing anything. You know, mentioned you're from Puerto Rico, from Santorce, Puerto Rico. You went to college at the University of Mobile before getting drafted. Um, and I, an NAI school, had a, you had a great career there. How does a kid go from Santorce, Puerto Rico to Mobile, Alabama? <laughs> you know, yeah, we had a tournament in, uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, the summer of, it was 1993, 
and our team was uh, it was there for I think it was like a couple of weeks in playing American Legion ball. And at the time, um, I got an offer from the Milwaukee Brewers to sign as a free agent. But also, the head coach of the University of Mobile was there looking for a shortstop to start as a freshman. So, you know, like any kid at the age of 18 wants to be a professional baseball player. And I remember telling my mom, mom, I really want to take, you know, want to take this shot and sign professional. And my mom and my dad was telling me, Joe, you know what? I think this, this opportunity will present, it will present itself again in two or three years. I, I think you should go to school. I think school will help you mature, uh, you know, going to class, finish, you know, going towards a degree, which is very important. And, and that's what I end up doing. And I'm glad that my parents really pushed hard for that because I really wanted to sign. And, you know, I went from being a free agent signed out of high school to a second round pick, being the 45th player picked overall that year in 96. Joe, it feels like you're right on the cusp of, of becoming a major league manager. You come down to, to, to the finalists for, for numerous positions, but when your playing career was nearing the end, when did you know that you wanted to coach? Uh, you know what? So I, it was that it was not it was two thousand it was two thousand and five. I you know five years already in AAA, uh, and it was it was becoming uh, difficult for me to start kind of saving money and thinking about the future. And I you know I asked myself that that off season. Um, I was going to go play winter ball for Carolina and Edwin Rodriguez was the manager. Um, and I was trying to find, you know, answer questions, personal questions. So, Joe, what do you want to do with your life? You know, we, we could go back to AAA, but you could keep bouncing around, getting on buses, getting on early flights, or you could try to get to the big leagues as a coach. So, you know, I had that discussion with myself and my parents and I decided that that off season to sit down and talk to Edwin, who was the manager, who I considered a mentor to me. I said, Edwin, you know, I, I'm thinking about coaching. Is there a way that you can help me trying to get in, you know, into coaching at the professional level? I said, Joe, no problem. Within days, the Miami Marlins, uh, who was the Florida Marlins at the time, called me and offered me a job to be the hitting coach in uh, at Greensboro, their low A club. Were you right away, I mean, whenever I talk to you, you just seem so passionate. Were you right away uh, this passionate as a coach and maybe even more so than you were as a player? Yeah, I love it. You know, I, uh, you know, during my the last couple of years of AAA, you know, I always, um, you know, I never make an excuse why I didn't reach the big leagues. You know, I, I think I was given all the opportunity in the world, all the chances to make it to the big leagues. But there were some decisions I'd made. You know, the way I prepared, the way I, you know, kind of trained, I, you know, there were some shortcuts that I made throughout that, throughout those, throughout that my, my late, my later days of my career. So I knew that there's, there were some changes that I needed to make to my work ethic to become a good coach uh, and also get to the big leagues. So I learned from those mistakes that I made in my playing days. And I said, you know what, Joe, if you want to get to the big leagues, man, you need to you know, lock it in and you need to find, you know, your like your, your, the best of you. Who are you going to be? What kind of coach are you going to be? What kind of what's going to be your philosophy, your style? So I worked really hard with the Marlins uh, on that, you know, trying to find a style, but also 
not forgetting to be myself, you know, and, and, you know, growing from growing in Puerto Rico, I just love this game. This game has given me so many opportunities and blessings that uh, I'm just fortunate to, to be where I'm at. And I think it comes from work ethic and how much I love it. And also always willing to learn and listen. And I've been, I've been, you know, fortunate enough to have some really good people help me throughout my coaching career to shape up the person I am today, the coach that I am today. You know, that's interesting, Joe, because I think a lot of people, when they talk about coaches, particularly at the at the major league level, the idea is, you know, a lot of times the coaches have, have big league playing experience and they can kind of, you know, let players know some of the things that they did to get to the big leagues and, and how it might help them. But I think, you know, you bring a, a, a unique perspective. Like you said, you, you feel like, you know, maybe you took some shortcuts in the latter part of your career. Uh, is that something that you talk about with players? Because you know, you can tell them about, hey, these are things that maybe I could have done better that would have, you know, A, got me to the big leagues and B, maybe, you know, would have allowed me to to be more successful at, at, the, at the higher levels. Yeah, you know what, Robert, one thing that I learned uh, – early in my coaching career, especially at the major league level, is two things. I think players once want you to be honest, regardless if you play in the big leagues or not. They could see through bulls. You know, they could smell it from far away. They could smell if you're not being sincere and you're not really trying to help them. Because I think our job is to, even at the major league level, I think development doesn't end in the minor leagues. It continues at the major league level. And the major league, you know, the major league players, and, you know, I, I coach, you know, all-stars, and those guys are still hunger for knowledge. They still want to get better. So I think if you approach them with with the truth and you're honest and you build a relationship with them, they open up and, you you know, you'll start getting some, some good feedback and you start seeing them opening up and actually earning, earning your trust, which is that's the most important thing. Now you talk about that trust and, you know, you came to the Astros in, in 2018. You'd spent the previous three years as third base coach with the Yankees. And I'm also as a big league coach with, with the Marlins. How did you go about building that trust and how much familiarity did you have beyond just seeing them on TV and watching them as a coach on the other side? Uh, how did you build that trust and how much familiarity did you have on a personal level with uh, particularly the infielders when you, you came over to the Astros? You know, I did a lot of studying, especially with the Yankees when I first got there. Uh, when I was with the Marlins, it was a younger group. Uh, some of those kids I had in the minor leagues. I was the infield coordinator. Now when I go to the, with the Yankees, so it was more doing my homework, learning their craft, learning their style. Um, and also when I go to spring training, you know, my infield is Mark Teixeira. I have Alex Rodriguez. Derek Jeter was still there in fourteen. Um, and then you've got younger players like the Didi Gregorios and, and it could be, you know, it's humbling because you've seen these guys are stars. Some of these guys are Hall of Famers. So what I did was I listened. I listened to what they wanted from me. I wanted to know how can I help them. And when I saw an opening, I show them what I can do to improve their, their, their skill, their game. Uh, so same thing happened, you know, when I came to Houston, I had a relationship with Carlos and Altuve. Carlos, obviously, because from Puerto Rico, but Jose, we, we talked during a baseball classic and, I, you know, we had somewhat a relationship, but, you know, getting to know Bregman and getting to know Yuli, getting to know Diaz, Springer, all those players, you just got to have, you know, make time and listen to them 
you know, the last thing a player wants to hear is, oh, when I used to play, I used to do it this way. No, no. They want to know, Joe, how can you help me? So if you want to be a good communicator, you have to be a good listener first to be able to provide information that could help them improve in their game. Joe, I used to always chuckle about if I would go to a different team, how there was misconceptions of certain players' personalities. And when you were in the other dugout playing against the Astros, you were with the the Yankees. Whose personality was most different once you came over to Houston? You know what? I, I want to tell you one thing that I loved about the Astros, and he actually, and he actually, our team, the Yankees. We did not like, and it was, it was the swag. But it was in a good way because I don't think us in New York can, can play. We were not able to play with the same swag and the same confidence as the Astros. You know, that's credit to AJ and the culture he created. And now being on this other side, being on the Astros, now I see it. It's just how much these players love each other, how much they care for each other, how. My job is easier because they're just good holding each other accountable. So now, looking back, I see why some of our players, man, look at this guy. He's always got a little smile on their face and they're cocky. And you see the Breckman walking up and pounding himself in the back with a bat. But now being on this side, man, they have the swag because they believe in themselves. And they know what it takes to be the best. And they're, and they're not afraid to back up the, their their talk, you know? So, but if there was one player in particular, you know, they all just play with confidence and they all knew they were good, but they work hard and they perform. And of course, you know, beat us to go to the World Series. That just put a, you know, a worst taste in your mouth. But just happy to be, I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm just happy to be on this side because that's what really attracted me to, to the Astros is, you know, long-term, their future, how bright it looked, and just want to be around the city, the electricity of, you know, the energy of the ballpark, and of course, you know, the great players they we have on the field. And it seems like you're always trying to learn, and I would imagine for you, even at first, if there was a filling out period, there's a great opportunity to learn a lot from Dusty Baker, isn't there? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, you know he's a he's an encyclopedia. You know he uses stories, he uses personal experiences. You know he uses uh, uh, experience like game managing back in you know back in the days to handle certain players with certain characteristics, certain style. You know the egos, and so he shares all this information, and I'm just sitting there, just just listening to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's you know, I'm being fortunate. I've been lucky. You know, I've been this is my tenth year, eleventh year in the big leagues, and I've worked on the seven managers. Wow. You know, and you know the Joe Girardis. You know, now Dusty, AJ. You know, Aussie Guillen. They all had different styles. Freddie Gonzalez, Edwin Rodriguez, Jack McKeon. Like I've been around so many wonderful baseball people that I'm just a sponge. I see. I listen. And I write notes, maybe something I could apply to my style one day. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning every single day. I'm learning. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, being around Dusty Baker. Uh, 
when did um, you first hear from Dusty and how, how well did you know him before he came to the Astros? You know what? I did not know him well uh, before he came to the Astros. Uh, I think it was a few days after he was named uh, the manager. Uh, he reached out and we and we talked and we had a really nice conversation. Then he flew uh, for the press conference and I met him at the ballpark and we sat down. We spent a few hours uh, that morning. Um, so it, it's just great. You know, he's 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 just like advertised, man. You know, I. I when you when you are working for a manager, we grab the phone. I grab the phone. I call some people, some coaches, some players that I play for, play for him or work for him, and it was just positive feedback. How well and how everyone just loved this man, and how players just loved playing for him. And you know, it was four weeks in spring training. And I, you know, right away you could tell, you could feel that you know that that passion. You know, he he loves he loves to be around the players. He loves to he loves to manage. You, you know, you've been the bench coach with the Astros for, for a few years now and, you know, know the players and everything. And, you know, as we've talked about, you, you know, you want to be a, a big league manager one day and have interviewed for, for big league jobs. But I have to imagine, because, I mean, Dusty was pretty clear about the fact when he came in, especially uh, at the beginning of spring training, that he really wanted to empower the coaches to help him learn the ball club since he was, you know, he was new to to most of the, the guys on the roster. I'd have to imagine that that had to be a little bit empowering for for someone like you in your role, because I, I would think that Dusty, particularly the first, you know, two or three weeks or so of spring training, really leaned on you for some of your input for 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 a lot of the guys. Yeah. And, you know, he said that he, he was going to empower the coach and he and he did. You know, uh, we were talking about, you know, the importance of being a communicator. It's by being a good listener. And that's all he did just four weeks, you know, during our you know, early morning meetings, he just sat there and he wanted to hear what we got, you know, from Gary, from Strami, from hitting coaches, what do you got? You know, and he just sat there and took all the information in, game started, he didn't say much. He just sat there and he watched the game. He made notes. If he, if there was a young, like an up and coming prospect, he grabbed one of the coordinators and, hey, what do you got on this kid? This kid looks pretty good. What do you got? That's, that's all that's all he did and you know I, I feel bad that we cut spring training short because we were all getting we were all close to breaking camp and everything was just moving forward so nicely that you know and and, and this pandemic is bigger than baseball but you know looking back you're like man we were so close and we were you know he was finally getting a hold a grip of, of the of what our team really looked like and you know the fact that we couldn't finish that uh, it, it was, you know, upsetting, but it happened. And, and I'm sure that when we get back to work here, um, he, you know, he'll, he, he will have a pretty good feel of what he has, you know, in, in, in his, on his team, his team. I would assume that, uh, that a lot of managers want their bench coach to make suggestions. What do you do to, to go over before the game to prepare yourself for, for a major league game? So, you know, I do, I do a ton of homework, you know, I go over, um, strategy uh, that the older teams, it's their, their style of game. And I'll make some suggestion to, and I'm, I'm going to be doing more of that this year because, you know, since Dusty's never been in the American League, uh, he's going to be, we're gonna, he, he's going to be facing some teams that he's never seen. So, you know, teams that like to hit runs, teams that like to run, teams that uh, do things that 
he's not normally the style of play is he's not very familiar with. I'm going to make sure that I provide that information for him. Also, you know, um, I go in and I do my infield defense, uh, you know, program, and I make sure that my defense is set up for each individual hitter. And um, that's also part of my work, making sure that we have our schedule. If we have an early work, BP, who's hitting, who's not hitting. If we have meetings that day, making sure that I schedule those up so our day will have a good flow. Um, so I get there early and I make you know I check all my boxes. I have a list of things that I need to go in there and do, and I make sure that every time you know I do one, I check the box. I got lineups to create. I got sheets that I provide to managers. So it's a bunch of stuff, but it's fun stuff, and I love it. And you know I just love the job I have, man. And you're responsible for for scheduling spring trainings. Yes. And not to not to speculate, but you've got to be ready in case you guys are given the green light. What's going to be your main priority? Yes, sir. I, I am. You know, so I have a couple of uh, um, ideas. Uh, you know, I, I'm creating a schedule, maybe, you know, three weeks long. So I, I think our priority is is going to be building our pitchers. Um, uh, also, I'm creating some PowerPoint presentations for our defense because we might not have a ton of time to go over our fundamentals. So I'm creating some classroom sessions, nice. some tools for the coaches that maybe we could bring in the guys in for 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, we could play a PowerPoint. We could go over our cuts and relays. We could do our yeah. base running. Just I'm, I just have a bunch of stuff. And then when I hear, Joe, you have 21 days, you have 14 days, you have X amount of days is going to be in Minute Maid or is it going to be in Palm Beach? So I have a couple of, you know, schedules depending on how many fields I'm going to have, how many cages I'm going to have. So it's the stuff that I do at night trying to stay active and make sure that when we say go, um, I'm prepared to make sure that our boys are ready to go. You're usually, you know, working this time of year. You have wife and two daughters. Uh, and you guys are in the in the Houston area. What have the last few weeks been like? Been like for you? I'd imagine they've been like a lot of people who are listening in their last few weeks with homeschool and, and and things like that, right? Yeah, you know what, Robert? And I was actually talking to my wife about this last night. You know, we were sitting there. We put the girls down. We're having a glass of wine, and you know, me, uh, I have never been home in twenty plus years in the month of April. I've always been gone. I've always been playing baseball. And, right. you know, this, yes, the pandemic and, you know, and I see people working so hard to, you know, keep people alive. And we are all in this together. This is bigger than baseball. But there, I'm looking, there's some bright side to this. And I, at least I'm talking personally here. The fact that I could be home with my daughters doing some work in the morning, some school work. We could jump in the pool in the afternoon, go for bike rides. And being able to have conversations with them and talk them into bed, which I don't, I don't, I don't do that very often. So right. the fact that it's a, the fact that I was like, Pam, you know, I'm here at home with you and I'm really um, loving the fact that I'm able to do this because I never get a chance to do this. So yes, it's this pandemic. It's really sad. And, and, but also at least I give them an opportunity to connect with friends that I haven't talked in a long time you know, I told my brother almost every other day. He's a nurse, and he's in a and he's working out of New. He's in New York, so he's right in the middle of this war, trying to keep oh, people my. alive and safe. So I'm 
constantly talking to him, making sure that, hey, brother, how you doing? You know, he's got a two-year-old. So um, really has bring a lot of people together. So um, it's challenging time, but, uh, but, you know, happy to be home with my, with my family. You know, you mentioned your brother, a nurse in New York, and I understand if, you know, you don't want to reveal too much about what the two of you talk about, but is there anything in particular that, that, that you can share that kind of stands out that, that your brother's told you about what he's seeing there being on the, on the front lines? Yeah. You know what? It's, it's, it's sad. You know, first of all, he sent me a picture of the, the stuff that he puts, you know, the EEP, the stuff that he puts on, um, it, you barely can recognize who he is. Mm, and wow. then, you know, I've talked to him, you know, at night on the drive home, you know, uh, you know, sometimes he's got the long, the, the, you know, the late shift. So he's driving home at one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, brother, you know, just give me a call. So you stay awake and we could talk, you know, sometimes he's in tears. You know, he had Joe, you know, there was a 27 year old kid fighting for his life. So all these stuff about you know younger people not getting it is not true make sure you keep your, your family safe make sure you follow the rules and then he, he you know tells stories about an elderly man you know how he you know he died not being able to see his family or his wife mm. just really sad stories but just being there for him to give him some support uh it makes you uh you know it makes me love him even more but also yeah. respect for the people that are in the middle of uh, you know, on this pandemic doing in the front line, man, saving lives. It's incredible. That's right, Joe. And that's your brother, man. You got to be really proud. Yes, uh, I am. You got to be proud of a lot of your players too. I mean, these guys are really stepping up in the community, aren't they? Yeah, they yes, they are. And I send them text messages. You know, uh, I see, I see the Verlander and I see, you know, uh, Bregman, you know, Bregman is not only an MVP on the field, he's an MVP off the field. And I tell them all the time, I'd rather you be an MVP off the field than MVP on the field, believe it or not. This is coming from your coach because the impact that you have in your community, using using your platform to reach millions and millions of people, to raise $2 million to feed people, that's what you want at the end of your career to people remember you. You know, I always use Roberto Clemente. You know, everybody knew how good he was on the field, but the stuff that he did off the field, that's what I value the most. And that's Bregman. That's Correa, you know, uh, Verlander, you know, the Reddicks. I keep reading over and over what this guy, my colors. I'm yeah. like super proud of the work they're doing, man. Um, you know, you talk about it. It feels like you're almost their dad or, or their big brother and you're giving them the life lessons and telling them how proud you are. What did you tell a lot of your players uh, after game seven of the World Series uh, when oh. you lost to the Nationals? That had to be excruciating. Man, that's that's a tough question, man, because, you know, you, you want to hug them. Yeah. Because what, what people don't really realize is how hard, you know, you lose the game, but how hard it is to get there. Uh. The amount of work that goes into getting to that point, how I watch them day in, day out, fight, and they never back down from a fight. And then you get there, and we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting, and we lose. You know, we can't win a game at home, and I'm like, I'm like, I, 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 you speechless. You hug them. You tell them how much you love them, and you, you tell them how much you appreciate their effort because they strap it on day in day out, and they give everything they got for the city of Houston and for our fans. They love it, man. So I'm proud of I'm proud of our team. This may be a tough question to answer along the same lines with uh, you know the way 2019 ended with the loss in Game Seven of the the World Series. Have you? 
gotten over that? And if you have, how long did it did it take you to kind of to reset and, and maybe start focusing on on the upcoming season? So you know what it was it was really difficult. You know, lose game seven. Um, you know, and you you try not to replay the game, but it's hard to avoid and, and you, you know, so it took me, it took me a couple of days to completely forget about it. Um, during that time, I was also going through just some job interviews. So I was in the middle of that, you know, all that chaos too. So emotionally I was drained. It was really difficult, you know, during the job interview process, people wanted to know, they wanted to talk about the wall series experience and stuff like that. And it's a fair question, you know, but you know. Same time, I don't want to share too much because I'm. It broke my heart, but also I'm trying to, you know, interview for a managerial job. So I had to balance that out, which I did. But it took me. It took me a good month to really, yeah, a, a good month just to really get over the whole entire uh, Wall Series loss, and then you know the scandal and everything piled up. And it was it was really tough. You know, really tough. Off season, but I, you know, I, I'm. We passed that. We turned the page. Now it's all about 2020, and and I'm excited about 2020 because um, I think our boys are going to show up and we're going to we're going to perform. Still a great team, Joe. Uh, last thing from me, and uh, I think about some of the cities that uh, we get a chance to go to during the course of the summer, and I keep finding myself, man, I'd love to be walking downtown Seattle right now because Seattle is always so. Yeah. Beautiful during the summertime. Are there any things that uh, you're really missing outside of just the, the actual competition right now? Man, I, I'm, I, I'm right there with you, man. Seattle, going nice restaurant, you know, walking uh, those cities. Uh, I do, you know, going downstairs, coffee shops, um, you know, go getting a sandwich before you head to the ballpark or, I don't know, you know, going for a jog, you know. It's going. It's it's really hard because I miss those things. You know, we all do. But again, I think we'll get back to that. We're just going to have to be patient and help each other out because when um, because I think baseball is going to be part of the healing uh, for this nation. We are going to help our country get back on their feet, and that's what baseball do. Does for you know for 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 the people. We're just going to have to be patient, hang in there, man, and we'll get back on the field here pretty soon. Yeah, you know what I miss? I miss seeing Joe Espada get after it in the hotel gym. <laughs> Robert, I miss you too, man. I miss you too. It's it's, it's part of, it's part of our routine. We all have one, and it's important to have one. So I miss that too. All right, hey Joe, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, uh, glad you and your family are doing okay. Stay safe, all right. All right, fellas. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Miss you, buddy. All right. Thanks, Joe. Well, Steve, always great to, to talk with Joe. Uh, always so generous uh, with with his time. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think one of the neat things is you can just hear, um, you know, even though it's been a few weeks since he's been around the guys, just how much how much love he has for this team and, and for the guys that he works with every day. Yeah, he cares, you know. And I think there was probably a couple of things that stuck out more than anything for me. And number one was that his brother's a nurse and he's right there right. Uh, in the thick of things in New York. So how proud he's got to be of his brother and to, to wake up at 1.30 in the morning and to talk to his brother and probably listen and cry and, and uh, do whatever uh, he needs to do to be a support system uh, for his brother, I think is really uh, tells you a little something about Joe Espada. And the other thing that I wasn't expecting, Robert, was for Joe to mention that he took shortcuts as a player. How candid yeah. and transparent is that? 
I don't think I've ever really heard somebody come out and say that, but to be able to do that and be so reflective, I mean, it only adds to his testimony to, to his players. Yeah, definitely. It helps you understand why, you know, Joe is so good at what he does and why he has has so much respect with, with his players and, and, and with everybody uh, around baseball. Steve, you still been washing your hands? I still have been washing my hands. Yeah, it's got to be, uh, you know, I'm going to set the over under. I'm going to count someday, but it's got to be at least 15 times a day, at least. 15 so times? Yeah, it depends on what I'm doing, but I'm washing them a ton. You know, I'm not, I'm trying not to take any chances at all, but also getting outside a lot, exercising a lot, uh, uh, cooking a lot with my daughter, and, uh, you know, just trying to get by right now, just counting the days and, and uh, hoping that we can uh, call some major league games here pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to, to getting back together here really soon. We don't know when soon is, but uh, we certainly hope it's sooner rather than later. We certainly like certainly appreciate everybody listening to our podcast with, with Joe Espada. Make sure you all stay safe. And folks, don't forget to uh, pick up your t-shirts, proceeds benefiting the uh, Astros Foundation to benefit uh, COVID-19 relief efforts. $25 for a, a t-shirt. You can purchase them at astros.com slash together. Uh, really nice looking t-shirts. Go to the website astros.com slash together to check them out. $25 benefit COVID-19 relief efforts. And so you can pick that up and they can be shipped to you all the details at astros.com slash together. And do what Robert does. Order one, one size smaller to show off your guns. Yes, my favorite size is medium. That's correct. That is correct. <laughs> well, that's Steve Sparks and Robert Ford. Hopefully we're talking to you on the radio real soon. But uh, stay safe and take care of your loved ones. See you later! Houston, we know these are uncertain and unprecedented times, but we will get through this. We will get through this together together it is important that we all take the necessary steps to ensure safety of our loved ones and our community you're the best fans in baseball the best and we love you we love you baseball will be back and we cannot wait to see you stay safe houston for the h it's for the h Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.